The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, baby. Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on a break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023, season 19, episode number 50. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Today we turn the page. We start looking forward. Cowboys versus Chargers. That happens this Monday night. And Cowboys are on Monday night football this week. Uh, so they will start their practices today. Uh, kind of move everything a little bit forward uh, to get ready for that Monday night game. But we'll start getting you guys ready. Today, Brian's, Brian will give us a breakdown of the Dallas offense versus the Chargers defense. Um, let's start first, though, with setting the table. Uh, what are we looking like right now as far as the uh, as far as the injuries are concerned uh, going into this week, the things we need to be aware of and keep an eye on? Uh, no changes from yesterday. Uh, LVE and CJ Goodwin, they're both still expected to be strong candidates for IR. Uh, still looks like it's a, a possibility for return for LVE after the four to six week ter- period. Cowboys are still working to make determinations there. Kalante Turpin uh, still has a chance to practice when they officially get it underway on tomorrow because Thursday is the Wednesday yeah. uh, this week. Jordan Lewis, we'll see uh, how much he does in practice, but like I said, I spoke with him uh, and, and some other folks on Sunday after the game, and he he sounds like he's good to go, just some soreness, but no structural damage or anything, so that's good. Tyler Biadish uh, with the ankle injury, he's expected to play on Monday night as long as things progress well for him um, this week. Um, other than that, I mean, they're you know expected to host some linebacker workouts today. The list is not finalized, so we're not going to address it just yet, but uh, there's a, a chance the Cowboys will add one or maybe even two linebackers, and they're going to need it because they need it for defensive rotation, and they also need it for special teams as far as C.J. Goodwin being out as well. So um, we'll get some real updates tomorrow, particularly when McCarthy is available again and then when practice kind of starts kicking but off. It sounds more and more like really when it comes down to linebacker position, Mike is going to be your answer, and they're looking yeah. for depth at this there, point. There right? you go. Yeah, yeah, they're going to they're looking to go back to the versatility of Micah, um, mixing him as an off ball linebacker and dropping him down at DE as needed. And that's kind of what Dan Quinn was intimating in his press conference on Monday when I asked him about you know the uh, what how do you supplement uh, the loss of LVE, particularly when you consider that LVE has been one of your better run defenders. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's going to be the initial plan, and I think the Cowboys are going to stick to that, and we'll see who they can add as far as uh, behind him and Damone Clark, and Bones is definitely going to need another strong special teams guy. What are your thoughts on Damone Clark right now? I know uh, we all had high hopes for him when he was yeah. drafted, and uh, what we saw from him, knowing he was coming off the injury, what we saw from him the rest of his rookie year certainly made me think there was a possibility that he could take a, a big leap having an entire offseason. What are you thinking of his play so far? Better in the New England game and kind of struggled every other game since then. I don't think he's played with the awareness or the downhillness that he normally plays. I just made up a word there, downhillness. I like it. But <laughs> that's, that, that's, what he, that's what he does. And, you know, that's he's going to be a physical player. He's going to be around the ball. He's going to get off blocks. Uh, I kind of felt like that uh, he was one of those guys that – 
you know, with him and Van Der Esch paired up, they were so much. Uh, they were really a good little combination last year uh, when they got the opportunity. He wasn't as good a player when Anthony Barr was next to him. It was a struggle there. I'm interested to see now, uh, you know, with Van Der Esch being out of the lineup and him and Parsons, uh, the, the group will be physical on the back end. There's no question about that. Uh, but, you know, Damone, I, I just felt like that he was going to be, you know, when you look at what Overshone was able to do, and I hate to keep comparing that, but Overshone plays six plays and he's got three tackles. You know, you kind of expected the same thing with Damone Clark. You expected him to read, react, get to the ball, finish. And it really has been a struggle. The New England game was his best game by far. Other than that, it's been uh, it, it's been kind of uh, just kind of uh, you know really playing in neutral for uh, for this defense. Yeah, and with him, I mean the defense had been playing in its majority so well that it's one of those that you don't really pay much attention to or bring it up to table because it hasn't necessarily been an issue until it does become an issue to now where we're sitting here and looking, well, who do we have to replace and help here with depth? Oh, where's he at? And like you said, everything, he's become that player that I've kind of, obviously I haven't forgotten about him because mm-hmm. I know he's on the team and yeah. he's a, a guy that you you want to keep looking um, to see how he develops, but he kind of has become like gone under the shadows and become slightly unforgettable or forget no forgettable forgettable, the other way Mm -hmm. forgettable um just because everybody else has been kind of doing so well on defense overall but when you do face those games that you're like okay (coughs) that you start looking and breaking down those plays and seeing like he has not unfortunately been that player, Derek, that you mentioned that we have been waiting on. Yeah, it's a great point that I think he's been kind of flying under the radar because of, you know, the headliners on defense, Micah Tank, the list goes on and on, Malik, J. Ron, Trayvon before the team lost Trayvon, Deron, Bland, awesome. Jordan Lewis, uh, LVE. I mean, again, the list goes on and on. So he's kind of flown under the radar as far as not being asked to step up massively in impact games. He's he's definitely had some flash plays. He had the great game against New England. Uh, a little bit of inconsistency there. So I think he's just trying to string together. He's trying to work it out as a year two guy who's coming off his first full offseason with the Cowboys. Obviously, last offseason, he lost that to the neck surgery. Uh, so I, it just looks like he's working to figure it out. And when he flashes, he flashes big. Uh, when he has a strong game like he had in New England against the New England Patriots at AT&T Stadium, uh, it stands out. It pops right off the film. It's just a matter of him needing more reps. And guess what? He's about to get more uh, because with LVE going down, even if you look at, at you know going back to the versatility of Michael Parsons, you're really looking at Damone Clark to say, hey, we know that you're trying to string good games together. We really need you to find that next gear, uh, and it's going to start as early as Los Angeles. Yeah, do you think he'll take that kind those kind of snaps? Like, I mean, obviously LVE was getting the most snaps of any of the linebackers. You think that he's going to step up to that role, or do you think it's still going to kind of be using? Him? I want to say when I saw before he was like roughly 50 percent of the snaps. I need to go yeah. look that up. Uh, but do you think you'll have more at this point? I think that you really it, it depends on how you want to play Parsons. Yeah, you know, and so it's uh, it, he he he's going to have to. He's the most, if you look at you. it, the most experienced. Uh, you know, most experienced now. He's only in his second year, but if you look at the number of the number of snaps that he's played, you mentioned if it's fifty fifty. I'm sure Patrick is going to tell you exactly yeah, what it you. is. But uh, yeah, it, it, you know, you're you're you know, he's out there. He's uh, he's part of it. It's not like they use Marquise Bell, and it's just kind of a part time mm-hmm. thing. He's a guy that's been playing when they go with they. Their base, where they play the two linebackers, him, Van Der Esch, and then they bring down the safety. 
uh, you know, that's kind of the look. He's out there on the field. So I assume that he is going to take that role of what Van Der Esch does. Uh, agreed. You're talking about um, you're losing 89% of your defensive snaps if you, once you lose Van Der Esch. And Damone Clark was logging 58% of the defensive snaps. So I don't know that Damone Clark jumps up to 89, yeah, almost yeah. 90%. No. But yeah. I think you could see him jump to 70, 75%. And then you make up the difference with so who, Micah who Parsons. who does make up the difference? Because Micah's already out there a lot, right. I would assume. Right. Right. Yeah. Who makes up the difference? Is it is it Probably one of those guys. It, yeah. I think it's going to be a combination of Marquise Bell and whomever they end up signing, if they end up signing someone from this workout group that okay. they're expecting But if to they do today. sign someone from the guys that they're working out, are you expecting that person, that player, to be ready to go for this game? My gut would say no, but when you're in dire straits, that kind of forces your hand Mm -hmm. sometimes. So we've seen corners playing playoff games off the street. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. You're right about that. Absolutely, (laughs) it happens. It does, but but not often. Xavier Rhodes, not not often. This is uh, Xavier Rhodes, but uh, but I mean, again, I don't. In ideal circumstances, you would like to see more time for the guys to come in. We talked about offline. We talked yeah. about Michael Jones yesterday. He's an option for linebacker on the practice squad. But when I talked to Mike McCarthy about him, the expression Mike McCarthy had gave me the indication that they want him more time to ramp up. Okay, well, if that applies there, it probably applies to any one of these new guys coming in. But, again, the difference would be uh, what's the – uh, what's the football experience of Michael Jones versus one of these newer guys coming in? So if it's more of a veteran coming in who's more proven and can probably tap in more immediately and be more impactful, then that has to go into the conversation as well. Well, they, they also like Malik Jefferson. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. you know that's uh, we'll see. That that that's one of those Malik Jefferson is a you talk about a flash player. You know, there's times where he's been, you know, where you, you're like, oh, okay, I, I I see what you're doing here. First preseason and, game. Yeah, and then other games, you're just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, he's kind of like everybody else getting blocked and, you know, and those mm-hmm. things. So they they have a lot of faith in him. They they do. They they keep him on the practice squad and, you know, they they elevate him. They bring him up. He's been kind of playing special teams and stuff like that. But the, there's there's going to be this linebacker group, whether who would ever they bring in the two guys they bring in. It is going to be a pieced together unit for at least four weeks until they figure things completely out. Yeah, there's not one person that you can plug into this LVE role and say, okay, that's the definitive solution. It, it's gonna you're gonna have to attack it by a committee. Man, it'd be nice to have Overshawn right now. It would really be. Why'd nice you to go have there, right in the chest? Yeah. All right, so here we go. Let's uh, let's, <laughs> let's you, turn Demo. the page. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the Chargers. This is a two and two team. They're an interesting team because yeah. they've had some interesting games. They've uh, won two games uh, against Minnesota, who's one and four, and against the Raiders, who are two and three. Uh, they had two losses. Uh, one of them to Miami, who is looking really, it's a really heck good of a right game now. To open the year, yeah. And they only lost by two points. Right. Um, and then they lost at Tennessee. That was an overtime game. Overtime. Tennessee is also two and three. Um, so it's a, it's a, you don't really know what to think of this team just yet. They are coming off a bye. And one of the things that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on this week is three of the best players missed the last game. Yeah. We'll see what health looks like for them mm-hmm. coming off the bye. You had Derwin James, their safety, Austin Eckler, their running back, Joey Bosa, uh, their pass rusher. So three very, very good players. They didn't have the last game that after a bye, maybe they get those guys back. It does complicate things for them. Let's start first with going around the table and let's get some storylines. What do you guys think is the storyline heading into this week? What is the biggest storyline for this game? It's it's going to be for me Dan Quinn versus Kellen Moore. 
Um, it, this is a Cowboys defense that was allowing less than 10.5 points per game uh, through the first four weeks and then 42-point explosion mm-hmm. um, against a team that you really needed to send a message against. So you talk about needing a bounce back in a resilient game. And Dan Quinn, it, he's going to have his guys ready. The question is, are they going to be ready when they get on that field? And they're going against a Kenneth Moore offense that's, you know, this, this Chargers defense, uh, offense is averaging almost 28 points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, you talk about Micah said last week something's got to give. Well, defense gave last week for the Cowboys. Um, back in that same equation, something's got to give. It's either going to be this high powered Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore led offense, which will likely have Austin Eckler back on the field, um, or it's going to be your world class defense that did not perform last week. So for me, it's Dan Quinn versus Kellen Moore. And then when you mix in the, uh, the ton of familiarity between those two coaches from Kellen Moore's time here, yeah, that's circle that for me um well to me I don't want to come out of this game hearing the word humbling again do not say you need to be humble that happened in Arizona and then it happened in San Francisco against Mm -hmm. the 49ers we heard and there have been a lot of comments and it's been talked on social media a whole lot of comments that players made after that loss Mm -hmm. against the 49ers and people having issue with some of the words that came out of there. And And shirts and just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I'm just, I want to see a team that really fights, that that goes out there. And, And the thing is, we've seen it. They've had a history of being able to come back after losses. They come back and win and perform well. And that's the frustrating part is that here we are, what we were saying yesterday, we don't really know what this team is. We don't know the identity of this team just yet. And that's something that was asked, too, to several players. They couldn't even really answer it. CD Lamb, he had no answer for that. Said, and, but again, he was pissed after that game. But we don't know what we currently have with this Cowboys team this year. So hopefully we can get some clarity of some sorts. Hopefully things can kind of start piecing themselves together before the Cowboys have their own bye week. Um, and that buys them another week of gluing the pieces. But I just... We, that's, I don't know what to call the specific headline for the storyline of this game, but let's uh, figure the, just, to, figure it out. Just win. Just, just, win, just win. Figure it out. <laughs> put some heart out there and fight and, and, and let's see if this thing starts coming in together. Because right now to me, I know, and I was telling you, Patrick, before the show, I know there's a lot of football left to play. There's a lot, so much and so much can change, but to me, it just felt like the season is over. Yeah. It's not over at all. A lot Let's can change. A but I need to see. I need to see progress. That's fair. Yeah, this is week two of your five offensive linemen together, and it wasn't a very good uh, start to the five guys. This week will be even more of a challenge. I don't think Joey Bosa is going to play this week. The hamstring injury doesn't sound like it's going to allow him to do that. But you still have to deal with Khalil Mack. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a team that sacks the quarterback at the same rate that you sack quarterbacks uh, as well. So we all talk about the Cowboys' pass rush, their ability to create pressure. This is another one of those teams that's not going to blitz a whole lot in the way they play. They're going to try and get you with four-man pressure. They have a lot of guys that walk around and and, uh, and attack you in different ways. They're going to test your blocking scheme for sure. Uh, I think the storyline is this week, can – those five guys that we've all 
waited years, it seems like, to be able to play together. <laughs> yeah. Can they pull things together, bounce back, and perform better than they did at San Francisco? That's my big question this week. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, Brian's going to start breaking this down for us. Tell us a little bit about this Charger defense and that dude that's a menace that they call Khalil Mack. We'll do that when we come back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot, Rowdy, cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the break. Check out the latest and greatest addition to the tours at AT&T Stadium and at the Star in Frisco. Meet Jerry Jones, an interactive experience. Get a peek behind the curtain into the fascinating life of Jerry Jones. With a focus on interactive fan experience in partnership with AT&T, this interactive technology gives tourgoers the opportunity to ask Mr. Jones a variety of questions. For more info and to book your tour, visit DallasCowboys.com tours. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Life in SWBC Mortgage Studios. At the start of the segment presented by Blockchain.com. 
All right, let's go. Brian, give us your uh, your assessment of this Chargers defense. Yeah, they're coming off the bye, as you mentioned, Derek. They're dealing with injuries throughout their defense. I, I mentioned Joey Bosa. I think he's doubtful. He's got a hamstring and a toe. It's just not going the right way for him. So I think you're going to catch a break right there. Uh, they've also uh, – Derwin James has been dealing with a hamstring as well, but they sound like he's going to play. The Chargers are more of a 4-3 front, but they do play some 3-4. There's a combination of it there but because they stand guys up around the line. They show blitz, then they back out. So they're going to kind of test you. They're going to test you with their twists and their games. Uh, that's big for them. They like to move and uh, make the linemen have to adjust to them. They're going to cause. They're trying to cause confusion with their looks. Their linebackers are key to how this thing operates. I mentioned you know, Bosa and Mack are listed as linebackers, and they're outstanding. They're, they're pressure players. Uh, this unit, uh, like I said, they've come up with 16 sacks. 12 of those sacks were just off the results of just no blitz. That's just them rushing the passer. So they're kind of like you in that way. They're, they're going to they're gonna get guys home. In the secondary, they're going to play a lot of man coverage, uh, you know, right around uh, 30% of the – well, I just say a lot. They're going to play man coverage about 30% of the time. Zone, really the other 70% of the time when you watch them. They like to play cover two with those two safeties back in, the, in that zone. So, you know, there's opportunities for some, some wide-open throws, uh, uh, not as many tight window throws because of the zone. So if somebody's going to play in a lot of zone, the Cowboys have had some pretty good success against teams that have played more zone than man. Let's see if – they turn around after watching the 49ers play that they play more man. I don't know if that's in their if that's in their repertoire as much as their zone. They love just to play the zone coverage and then try and yeah, attack you with that front. Uh, I mentioned Bosa, Mac. Uh, they cause problems. Uh, you know, it's the thing with 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 when you look at Khalil Mack. And we were talking about it while we were off air here. It, it, it's there's so many different ways that he can rush the passer, and I'm and when you watch him on tape, he covers so much ground on his first step. So the linemen or the tackles are setting, but he's like on them because of just how he just is able to launch himself off the ball and then get onto the, the blocker. And so he just doesn't want the blocker to get his hands on him. You know that's his thing. He's going to. Is he stepping? He's going to swat at you. He's going to knock your hands down. He's going to try and get to your corner, and then he's trying to get around. He'll take that long step and then redirect back in the twist game. And so that's a little bit of a problem, uh, you know, when you're dealing. With, but he's always working up the field. Uh, you know, it's 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 really impressive to watch him play. You know, he's a veteran guy. Now they've they've done a really good job since they've lost Bosa here. Tui to to a loop. I'm gonna say this right. Tule Tui Puloto is the uh, the uh, the guy who's playing opposite Khalil Mack right now. He's a rookie out of USC, and this guy's a powerful player. Uh, when you watch him play, he's really really good with his hands. He's quick to get rid of blockers. Uh, he he's another one of those guys that really really attacks you. Does a really good job of setting the edge in the running game, but he could also come off the edge in the pat in in the pass rush. He's a spin or just flat bull rush. And we saw a little bit of some problems with Terrence Steele when he had to deal with a little bit of power. You're not going to always bull rush Tyrant Smith, but it seems you could bull rush Terrence Steele a little bit more of the two. So you have to be alert uh, for that. They're they're running the run defense is when they play it their teams have more success running the ball on the outside 
than they do in the middle. Teams are averaging about five yards to carry on the outside, only three yards on the inside. So Nick Williams, Austin Johnson, and rookie Scott Madlock, they've done a pretty good job of kind of playing inside and clogging things up. But it also goes back to what their linebackers are playing. And, and I mentioned where Mack and Bose are listed, but the inside guys are Kenneth Murphy and Keith uh, Eric Kendricks, excuse me. These are two veteran guys. They're powerful guys. They play downhill. There's some violence to their game, especially Murray. I mean, he's a really good job when uh, you watch him change in directions. You know, he finds himself out of position, and all of a sudden he rallies back because of his speed. When he sees the ball, he does a great job of getting there, finishing the play. That's the kid out of Oklahoma, right? Yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah, he, is a, he, is a, he was good in Oklahoma. Yeah, he really is. His pass coverage is not as, as, as good, yeah. but everything in the running game with him is like it's a physical yeah. downhill player, as I mentioned there. Uh, they have another uh, a guy named, a young guy named uh, Nick Newman, uh, Neiman, excuse me, Nick Neiman, who is uh, uh, the other linebacker. And he's more of a, uh, the guy that will walk up and then drop or walk up blitz. Uh, he's, uh, you know, you got to kind of catch, uh, you know, kind of keep an eye on him. He's smart. He's tough. He's got really good instincts. Uh, he's relentless to the ball. And he's really good in the anticipations, the react plays, the coverage plays, and stuff like that. So uh, keep an eye on those linebackers, especially uh, Murray. In the secondary, I mentioned Derwin James. He's, he's really kind of the glue of that secondary. He's a gifted athlete. He's versatile. Uh, you can line him up anywhere at the safeties. You play him up, you play him back, you play him deep. It, it really doesn't matter. He's a fluid-moving guy. There's no problem with him dealing if they put him in coverage with backs, tight ends. That's not an issue with him. He fits well defending the run. You'll see number three come flying downhill, and uh, he's a really good tackler. He can be disruptive. He can make plays behind the line of scrimmage when he gets up there. So you got to be aware when three's hanging around, try and get a hat on him because if you spill the ball one way, you know they've had some trouble on the outside. But you know they're going to try. I have a feeling they're going to try and run him more into position to make some of those outside plays if they can. I think Asante Samuel is their best corner on the squad. He's not the biggest guy, but he's not afraid either. Uh, you'll see him line up on both sides. I didn't see a lot of traveling. I just saw they play right and left. Some days they're on the right, or sometimes they're on the right, sometimes they're on the left. I didn't really see him traveling with. You know, like they had a chance to travel with Adams uh, with the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was matched up a little with Adams, but it was more about just Adams was on that side of the field. And that's how they kind of dealt with it, though. So a scheme requires him to play a lot of off coverage. But, man, he could play man if he had to. Again, if the coaching staff decides Dallas can't get off the press, we need to press these guys, we need to attack them at the line, then he's got the capability of, of doing that. The guy on the other side is Michael Davis. He's a lot longer, a lot taller, uh, but I don't think he's as good. And the, the build, I think his long, rangy build hurts him in his ability to move. When you, when you, Especially in zone, when they run up on him and he has to turn and then go, there's just not that burst, that quickness. I mean, he's kind of a, a little bit of a stiff-moving player that way. So maybe they'll, again, walk these guys up, but... I think that if there was a guy to kind of go after in this game, Davis would be the guy because I look at Samuel, he's a ball hawker. And, and you know, when you throw the ball at stretch, you got to be careful. He'll undercut routes, he'll jump routes, he will, uh, you know, down the field. He might be a short guy, but he does a good job of playing you and putting his, himself in position to make plays uh, that well. So uh, the nickel is uh, uh, Jasur 
Taylor. Uh, he's a, a little bit of like Samuel. He's a smaller guy. There's a quickness to his game, willingness to come forward and tackle as well. So of the primary of the three corners that are going to play in this game, the one I would go after is Michael Davis. That's the guy that lacks the top end speed and the quickness that maybe the Cowboys could take advantage of a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Khalil Mack. Uh, obviously, we know how good he is, but if you look back at his season so far, he had all of his sacks in one game. Six mm-hmm. sacks yeah. came against the Raiders. There were three other games where he had zero. Right. What did the other teams do? How did they keep him from the Raiders? Don't side? have a very good tackle group. That's their yeah. problem. So it was right? the offensive line of the Raiders. I think, that the, was I the, think the Raiders. Yeah, I think the Raiders with you know with, with Colton Miller and guys like that. They're just not very good. And I think they've struggled with that for a long time. The Raiders got in a situation, too, where they had a rookie quarterback were, mm-hmm. were playing in that game. So, you know, sometimes when you get in a situation, these tackles are not used to where quarterbacks are going to set. But they didn't do a very good job of handling. The thing about the, the Chargers pass rush is all that movement up front. You know, I mean, they, they get guys home on the rush. But like I say, Mac to me – once they find somebody that they can deal with or somebody they can attack, they're just going to do that. And I didn't think the Raider, the Raider tackles were good at all in this. As a matter of fact, the Raider offensive line as, as a whole, I didn't think were very good in this game with the pressure they gave up. Minnesota had problems with these guys, too, yeah. with the pass rush as well. We saw last week that Terrence Steele, particularly on the right side, uh, had some issues yeah. trying to stop uh, um, Nick Bosa. How do you compare Bosa's game to um, to Khalil Mack's game? Is it is it a similar type of rush style, or is it very very different? And that may help or hurt well, uh, yeah. Steel. Both both guys are. I think both guys are, are power players. I, I, like I say, if Bosa, I said last week, if Bosa reads you setting soft, he'll just take you straight to the quarterback. He'll lower his head. I think Mack is a more of a physical. I mean, physical with his how big he is. And his ability to just play with power that way. I, I Bosa to me is more of a slippery player, where Mac is a guy, like I said, that first step he gets on you. So now he's now he's on you and now he's swatting hands. The, the really good pass rushers have that ability to kind of break down blockers that way. And with Mac, I think he does it with more power. I think Bosa does it with more slipperiness, more of that of trying to like dip underneath but it's not to say both those guys can lower their heads and take you to the quarterback if you set soft on them. I think the Cowboys especially being that this is the the second game that they'll have their full five I think you'll see a little bit more uh, chemistry there and and this is a a Chargers team that you know while Khalil Mack cannot be underestimated and yeah I see what you're saying the Raiders let him tee off to the tune of six sacks but he was 0-0-0 before then all of that's true uh, and no one is is positioning it as you know don't worry about Khalil Mack worry about Khalil Mack but the fact uh, the fact is the fact one is what you said another is that uh, the Chargers' defensive front, they only get pressure on the quarterback around 35% of the time. Um, if you want to compare that against what, against what the Cowboys do, the Cowboys get pressure 45% of the time. It, it's So it's not that the Chargers are insanely good at getting pressure and getting in the, into the uh, defensive offensive backfield, I should say. It's they've been efficient with it. So they have 16 sacks, and you can extrapolate and say, well, six of those belong you know, against the Raiders, and that's completely fair. In much the same way you could say, well, the Cowboys' defensive stats got wildly skewed by what happened in San Francisco. The fact is it happened, though, right? So if it happened, it happened. Um, so the Cowboys' offensive front, I don't think they'll have as as – hard of a time as they had against San Francisco's front, simply because, and particularly if Joey Bosa's not on the field, but even if, if Bosa was on the field, you're not looking at a team that gets into your backfield a ton. It's just when they get back there, they tend to get home, 
far more often than the Cowboys would in that same capacity because the Cowboys have 15 sacks on 45% QB pressures. 16 sacks on 35%. So you see what I mean there. If the Cowboys got more efficient and got home more often when they get in the opposing backfield, then they would just be, you know, unbeatable. But kudos to the to Chargers. They can get back there, but it's not a, a situation where the Cowboys can't handle it. Like I don't look I don't go into this game feeling that the Cowboys can't handle Khalil Mack and company. I feel like they can. They just need to make sure that when he's back there, it goes back to what we were talking about, is Dak Prescott going to be more decisive in saying, hey, this play is broken down. Let me use my legs to try to keep this alive, keep this drive alive. Well, that's yeah. the question. We haven't seen that yet. And and one of Dak's best qualities is the fact that he's so um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, mental – like – his ability to stay mentally tough, mentally tough, yeah. and he he can stay in and like he, he it doesn't really affect him. We've seen games in the past that it has. He doesn't get rattled. Mentally. But yeah, but my thing is, how is last week's game gonna affect him and the way they play? Like as far whether good or bad, like are they gonna try to? Be more, let him be more free and run with the ball. Is he gonna take those changes, uh, chances with throwing the ball? Given the fact that now in that game was it three interceptions that yeah, he got against three. the 49ers? all in the fourth quarter. And yeah, and you can argue like you know at that point you have to the take 49, risk. The 49ers put the Cowboys in the same position the Cowboys put other teams in and said now you have to throw the ball and when and you do we're going to take it off. That creates that chance for <laughs> sure. But it's just like where is he at mentally? Is he at in the mental part of like he's gonna go out there and ball out and like have one of those games or is he in that mental area where? It's going to do the opposite, and now you're just kind of questioning. Because the whole thing, I don't know, the whole thing with, like, some of the vibes I've been getting with the play calling and people being a little disgruntled. That's the word. It's like, I don't know if that's about to become an issue or if it's just what happens, you're upset, the game went the wrong way, you didn't expect it to go that way, and everybody's pissed, and you're just now speaking words Mm -hmm. because out of the emotions you're going through. But I don't have a clear um, understanding of the current situation of where they're at right now as far as, like, are they bought in to this new offense style, The what Mike McCarthy is implementing here? I mean, there have to be questions. I I would think for every player on that offense – um, you look at the offense this year and you look at the offense last year, which I'm sure in their minds they're at least doing, and they're saying last year seemed like we were moving the ball a little yeah. bit easier. It seems like we were getting more things to work offensively. So, yeah, there have to be questions. Now, I don't know that that means that they've necessarily – like he's lost the offense and now they won't – they yeah. you know, they, they want to go back to – but it, they certainly have to have some questions. It would be natural for them to have questions at this point about what's happening and, and whether they think it's moving in the right direction or not. And certainly, you know, whatever level of frustration I think that's all part of also when you when you lose a game like mm-hmm. you did, lost the other night, there's gonna be a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you're gonna point to a lot of different things as players, and you're probably gonna some of that's probably gonna be like, I want the ball. I think what we saw from C D was I can help us win. I'm not getting the opportunity to help us win. It makes me frustrated, right? Yeah. And we heard from McCarthy, we heard Jerry on the on the fan earlier in the week. They both said the same thing. Like that's what we expect from him. He is a he's that type of player where he wants to be a part of the solution, and that's the frustration. So I think that's just the natural part of the offense not functioning as everyone expected it should. All right. We're gonna take our first break. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit more on the Cowboys offense. But then when we come back, DallasCowboys.com radio. 
Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now, Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is, Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code Cowboys VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. All right, Derek, you got to help me on this one as always. Dallas Cowboys game time powered by Lenovo. That's our buddies there, Lenovo. There we go. The uh, official gaming platform and community of the Dallas Cowboys. Sign up now to compete in Madden 24 for a chance to win two tickets and a VIP experience to the 2023 Dallas Cowboys home game qualifiers begin on October 6th and run through the 13th. Learn more and register at DallasCowboysGameTime.com. Welcome back. We're in the final segment of the break. We're talking Cowboys versus Chargers. I want to talk a little bit about the offensive line. This last game, the Cowboys offensive line gave up four sacks, nine quarterback hits. On the ground, they only were allowed, only able to rush 19 times for 57 yards. Although I don't, I think the numbers are a little misleading. There was a decent running game uh, in that last game. But how did you guys think the offensive line, for the first time of having them all together, performed as a unit? Um, and what can they build on, I guess, going into this week against the Chargers? I just felt it was a little bit disjointed, which, I mean, makes sense when you consider that when was the last time the Cowboys had their whole front five? So it makes sense that they're going to need more actual game reps. And Tyler Smith, before the game, he talked about how um, it feel good to get you know, the rollover, the training camp reps over to the regular season. And that's wonderful in theory. But when your first regular season game is also against the San Francisco 49ers front, it's kind of like good luck with that. Um, so I don't they didn't fare poorly, but it was a lot of disjointed play as they tried to figure out each other's time. And particularly on the left side, as Tyler and Tyron try to get together because they've not played in that rotation at all. Obviously, Tyler Smith, this is only his second year last year. Uh, Tyron's injury, then he was on right tackle and all of that. So um, and then Terrence Steele, he's struggled we talked about it he struggled uh, to contain on the right side so I expect a better performance against Los Angeles um, second game back 
for this particular set up front. And also, it's a, a Joey Bosa-less team, possibly, likely. Um, but even if Bosa is on the team, I mean, we've seen Terrence Steele uh, fare well against Joey Bosa, albeit with some chip help and things like that. But, I mean, Terrence Steele's first start, we talked about it a couple times in Los Angeles, he helped negate Joey Bosa. So it can be done. Let's see what this front does with a, another game under its belt because uh, it, it just wasn't great. And, I mean, I even saw, and it's rare that you will say this, but I even saw Zach Martin get beat a couple of times. I mean, that 49ers defensive front, they just had their way. I don't expect that you're going to continue to see Zach Martin get beaten on a week-to-week basis. So I think it'll be a better outing this time That's around. what I was going to say. Like, to me, it was really weird coming out of um, that loss and seeing how they performed because, yes, we can talk about they haven't played all five together in a long long time and you do want to have that continuity uh and know the timing of everybody and what everybody is doing but we've seen each individual player play and we know what they can do so what was odd to me is that there were so many occasions where people were getting beat one-on-one you mentioned Zach Martin Terrence Steele we saw that continuously too and different guys like everybody was beat at a certain time so that that was the odd part because yes you can talk about continuity i can't say that continuity. word but at the same time individually we know what that player is and what can do and what has done in the past so how are they constantly because everybody at one point or another just like it, it, they just didn't look like themselves individually i think not i think this is a fact when it comes to the offensive line and you make a great point individually each one of these guys can play at an elite level we've seen it consistently that's fine but when you put them all in this particular combination there's also timing and chemistry and there's a a bit of telepathy that has to happen between you and the guy next to you to the point where and it's only established by reps and actual game reps to the point where if you feel like you know this guy is coming this way i'm going to block this and hand this off because this guy is going to take this for me because i have another blitzer here if you do that and this guy doesn't know that you're going to do that then that guy might end up coming free and then now this guy comes free and now that pressure is allowed by you and or him so there's a whole it has to move as a unit and that's one thing that Zach Martin talks a lot about when he talks about combo blocking with Terrence Steele and how the page that they operate on that at the moment is lacking between Tyler and Tyron because they don't have the same number of reps so there's not the the telepathy that exists between Terrence Steele and Zach Martin and Zach Martin and Tyler Biadish does not quite exist to that level between Tyler Smith and Tyler Beatish and not at all between Tyler Smith and Tyron Smith because they simply don't have the reps together. So individually you can be stellar, but when you have to operate as a unit, as the offensive line has to, there has to be some type of telepathy between each player to say, hey, I know what your timing is. I know what your movement is. I know what your weakness is and I know how to mask that and you know what mine is and you know how to mask that. So that only comes with reps, though. And the more reps they have, and that's why it's key that this unit remain healthy. Because the more reps they have, the better chances they're going to have of being that formidable force in front of Dak later in the season when they really have to have But it. the other part is we've seen it, with, and I absolutely get your point and totally agree um, with it. But where it's weird and odd to me is like we've seen the backups go in mm-hmm. and they be okay and manageable so you you, we've seen it constantly with this line having completely different components different guys that have to go in less inexperienced less experienced guys go in and be okay be okay like handle it so that that's where i'm going with the whole like it's odd that they perform that way because 
everybody has had their time healthy and in there. They have the experience at a certain, sorry, at a certain level. And and we've seen it when backups go in and yeah. it's not, and we've talked about it the earlier weeks when a few of those backups went in. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking Hoffman out. Hoffman and Bass and Bass, Schuma and Schuma Doga, uh, Arizona. All of those yeah. going in and that wasn't the reason why they lost the game. They yeah. were still being able to which, somewhat run, with, uh, run the football and everything. Which I believe is more of a credit to those young guys stepping up and stepping, stepping in and stepping up than it is to discount the point that chemistry across the line matters. So, for example, uh, Arizona, Hoffman and TJ Bass, those are two backups, and they were playing right next to each other. Well, guess what they're doing in practice every day, playing right next to each other, getting second-team reps. So there was already at least some type of chemistry between Hoffman as a backup center and TJ Bass coming in as a guard. So the chemistry definitely is there, but when you have when you have to move pieces around and it doesn't fall apart, that's a credit to two Two entities. One, those players that have come in and stepped up, but also the offensive line coach and his ability to put guys in the right places and when they need to be put there. You're, you're right, Ambar. Individually, they were bad. They were bad individually. That Terrence Steele individually was not good in that game. Uh, uh, Biotish wasn't good in that game for, you know, it's a couple of times he struggled. Tyler Smith individually was not very good in that game. A lot could be with that. That individually, that when you have breakdowns, it's you just you're not good enough on that particular play, and I think that happened more times than not in that football game, that where they where they were able to, uh, you know, when it came down to okay, hey, we have to win this block at the point of attack, they weren't winning that block, or hey, we have to be able to, you know, we're going to throw this three step drop here, or we're going to run a slant or whatever, and they they weren't individually good enough. I think that was a huge problem in this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian, because. It, Typically, the what I, what I look at is like, are they are they beating them with a lot of finesse? Are they beating them with twists? Are they right. beating them with stunts? Like it, that wasn't what I was seeing a lot of times. No. There was one time when I saw, I think it was Hargrave, but it was one of the defensive tackles. Literally, yeah. there were two offensive linemen blocking split him. Split them. He mm-hmm. split them and yeah. went and made the tackle in the backfield. Right. That ain't about anything other than, like, that is not about miscommunication. That, yeah. to me, is about the fact that you just got beat. And that, that's why I think in some regards we're kind of burying the lead on this on this part of the conversation, which is that defensive front, I think, on that day was just better. They were I, you much know, I, better. I don't know that it was yeah. so much about, you're right, I do you, think chemistry matters, and I think it matters a ton for an offensive line, but the fact of the matter is on that day, I think the problem was way more. They just got out. I think the problem was everything. The problem was that this was the first time this five-man combo has seen the field for the Cowboys. Uh, in addition to look who they're going up against, arguably, probably not arguably anymore, the best defensive front. And that best defensive front could not have been firing on on, on all cylinders any better than they were on Sunday. So all things that could have gone wrong went wrong. I mean, the chemistry wasn't there for the Cowboys offensive line because they haven't played this front as as this front. Then you look at who they were playing. Then you look at the caliber or the level at which they were playing. I mean, yeah, the chemistry wasn't there. Individuals got beat. Then they got demoralized, and then it just got worse and worse and worse. They were better equipped to handle 49ers offense, uh, excuse me, their defensive line. They physically got beat up front. That was a big, big issue in that football game. You were better at guard uh, to handle those defensive tackles. You really didn't handle it all that well. Yep. That was a problem. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. That's a wrap for us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll dive into the Cowboys' defense uh, versus this Chargers' offense. That will be a challenge, and that will be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, until tomorrow, for Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio.
This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?